Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, I feel like my guest today needs no introduction. My dear friend, Michelle Dempsey-Multak is here. Um, For those of you who don't know her, she is a certified divorce and co-parenting specialist, a best-selling author, and educator for divorce coaches and top 1% podcaster known for her ability to inspire and empower moms through their divorce and co-parenting journeys. Michelle's passion for putting the child first in the divorce process while helping everyone she reaches feel supported and empowered makes her a sought-after coach by clients as well as divorce industry professionals from around the globe. That'd be me. <laughs> she Michelle solidified her place as a thought leader in the divorce space with her recent publication of her best-selling book, Moms Moving On. Real life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through self through conflict, and becoming your best self. Moms Moving On was published by Simon and Schuster, and it is a fantastic read. I highly recommend anybody and everybody uh, read this book. And I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Michelle. We just sort of went all over the map, (laughs) as we do. We didn't really have anything specific planned, and I just turned on the mic and allowed uh, it to just record us having um, a conversation. So here we are, me and Michelle Dempsey-Multak in conversation. Michelle, I'm so happy to have you back on my show. I love you so much. (laughs) I love you too. And I'm so happy to be here. This is, I know everybody's favorite divorce podcast. And so I'm honored to be a repeat offender. It's the second (laughs) time, third time. I don't know, but I'll always say yes. Yes. I love you. So today we're going to have a conversation about uh, sort of the divorce profession Right. They, people always say, you know, let's do what's in the best interests of the kids. But you we were just talking about before we hit record that like so few people actually are trained. Uh, so few divorce professionals are trained in knowing what the hell that means. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So. Like, where do you see the where's the gap or where do you see this? um, manifesting. So where I see this manifesting and, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm generalizing here, but I'm not, I'm just giving my experience and what I've seen from clients. And for myself personally, I had to hire three lawyers before I found somebody who actually asked me like, how is she doing with co-parenting and how is the transition on her? And might this be too much? And I'm like, wow, you're the first person to ask me that. So what I see the issue is, Lawyers have a job to do and they do it very well. They go to law school, 
they get trained, they understand the law and the statutes and all of the things in whatever state they're from. But at no point do they sit down and take a co-parenting class that can give them the perspective that will show them that the more conflict these two adults are in, the worse off their kids are going to be long-term. Now, every lawyer is going to say, we want what's best for your kids. But then I have clients who come to me and they'll say, you know, I didn't even realize, I think my ex is a narcissist. Really? Why do you say that? My lawyer told me he's definitely a narcissist. He's never seen anything like this. And right there, that's an indication of we're creating a label for somebody we've never even met that's only going to ramp up defense and tension and conflict. And thus, we are not putting the children first, right? Because if Mm -hmm. we were, we'd be Mm -hmm. trying to avoid conflict at all costs. But it's like a double-edged sword. Because Mm -hmm. if you're a lawyer, you have to make money. And you make money by engaging in dispute. By ramping up conflict. Yes. If you're if you're a litigator, for sure, right? That's absolutely. I think there are times when I think it's useful, right, to know what you're dealing with on the other side. Yes. Because narcissists and abusers go towards conflict. So that is important to know too, right? Yes. But I do think it there's there's a difference between a client or potential client going to their lawyer and saying, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm getting these abusive text messages. He didn't let me, you know, know about our finances when we were married and now it's even worse. Then you can say, okay, this is going to be a high conflict individual. But when you just right off the bat say, oh yeah, he cheated on you. Sounds like a narcissist, you know, and and then we're we're falling into this narrative. Anyway, that's one of the things. Creating, Uh Creating a personality for a person they haven't met yet I think what that does for the person who then comes to me is it instills a sense of fear Mm -hmm. and fear then makes you more protective. Mm -hmm. And with that protective emotion, you're less likely to be more flexible in the co-parenting process or the parenting plan process. So I think that's a big issue. I think the other big issue is, you know, when we talk about meeting the needs of the children, there's a great um, podcast that I was on called how to split a toaster. I love those and like, guys so much. I do too. And I think that that title is so perfect, right? It's the like the best title of a podcast ever. I love it. Our kids are not toasters. They're not right. timeshares in Bimini. Like uh-huh. these are people. These are kids that may be struggling already with social issues, learning issues. Now we're splitting up their homes and, you know, we're saying one parent is saying, well, 50, 50 is what's fair. And we don't, you know, I think, I don't think there's enough people coming in and saying, well, what's fair for you isn't necessarily fair for them. So how are we going to look at that? Right. Yes. And that's so, I mean, that's, uh, we are both certified by Christina McGee and, and the Moston Guthrie Academy as certified co-parenting specialists. And this is such an amazing part. training. It's amazing training. And it's a huge part of our training was people are constantly saying, well, what's in the best interest of the children without actually knowing how to determine what's in the best interest for the children, right? Right. That's where Christina taught us that strategy Mm -hmm. that I love of bringing the children into the room, Mm -hmm. not- Not physically. Literally, not physically, but metaphorically, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she even suggested- if you're going to mediation and you're going to be so emotionally, you know, ramped up by your ex and the fact that they're asking for X, Y, and Z, bring a picture of your children. 
have that with you. You know, she told us as professionals to suggest this to clients because something I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too with your clients is like, it doesn't matter how angry or upset or hurt a client is on the other side of the screen. When I say, tell me about your kids, their eyes light up, they smile, they Mm -hmm. soften. And Mm -hmm. so in doing that and and bringing the children into the room, it helps reshift your perspective back to what matters. And I think that that, that was for me, one of the biggest takeaways from that training. I love, I love that. And, you know, for me, one of the bigger takeaways too, was this idea that, you know, uh, we always say 50, 50, first of all, we also, Christine also taught us to hate those terms, right? Because that is splitting a, you know, splitting a child in half or splitting a toaster. You know, we've taught that like equal shared parenting, as we like to call it, is better for children. But if the children are not used to that, if dad is a like almost not a stranger, but like has, you know, goes to work. If you've you've got a stay at home mom and a dad who's going to work every single day, maybe equal shared parenting is something that you want to work towards. A hundred percent. But maybe it's not the best idea for the kids, mm-hmm. right? To mm-hmm. and this is why you know we also have a movement afoot trying to get custody percentage of custody out of the support conversation mm-hmm. because they, it, they should not go hand in hand at all. They should not, and they do. in, in almost, I mean, almost all states, it's insane. And it's, it's dangerous. I, I agree with that. And and the majority of my clients come to me with children, usually eight and under, and many of them five and under, because I think, you know, I draw in that clientele because my own daughter was two when I separated. And what I did wrong, honestly, was yeah. I put, and I knew, I knew for sure I wanted to be a 50-50 co-parent because mm-hmm. I didn't have a relationship with my father. And for me, my daughter's relationship with her dad is very important. But I didn't, you know, at the beginning, I, I, you know, I said, of course, you're going to have 50 50, but she was two. And even in, you know, even when a dad is amazing, like my, my ex was very hands on when we were together, I was still the preferred parent because I was mom. She was still crawling up my leg all the time. I was, you know, the one wiping her tush and driving her to school and doing all those things. And so there should have been somebody in the process to say, wait a second, yes, 50 50, perfect. But, we got to give Bella some time to work up to that. Right. And I didn't know that you don't know what you don't know. I was just so worried about like, mm-hmm. I wanted him to get what was fair and I didn't want the system to mess that up for us. Right. But then right. I right. wasn't really looking at it from, I mean, thank God eight years, six years later, we're all good, but you don't think about how hard it might be for a child, but from the male perspective, I get why they get so triggered and they start to fight for what's fair for them because they know that when kids are young, they have this desire for mom and that makes them feel really shut out and unimportant. And then they're just fighting to feel equal. So listen, I mean, you just posted about it today. We're asking people to make the most difficult decisions of their lives at the most emotional time of their lives. And that's why they need the perspective of the children. That's right. That's right. I, t- I totally agree with that. And, you know, we did the same, we did the same thing. It was like immediate 50, 50, except that my ex-husband's work schedule, like did not remotely accommodate for that. Like it didn't work. And so then I had to go pick up our son every day after school anyway, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. keep him probably through dinner. Right. And so 
on the one hand, that's how mine is too. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get the sort of expectation of what the schedule was really going to be like. And, and my son didn't actually, anyway, it doesn't matter. It was a, you know, we all, we learned from it, but, but there is such a thing in your parenting plan. You can do a step up approach where you first mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? It's Bella, Emmett, whoever is used to this amount of time, let's keep that. And then over time, we can work up to it. We can shift right slowly over time as they get older. That is the smartest. I mean, there's a reason why I don't know about in your area, but preschools in my area, when, when a child is starting school under the age of four, they don't just go full time to preschool. I remember Bella's first week was three mornings a week for an hour. Then the next week it was four mornings for two hours. And like they worked her up to it because it was a huge transition. And so it's the same idea with co-parenting for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about the other side of things for a second. Yeah. So, you know, there's plenty of people who weaponize the children uh, in Uh high conflict and abusive situations. And then we have the lawyers, you know, who cannot, who don't want to tell their client, listen, you're being an asshole, dude. Like, this is not fair. This is not right for the children. And then sort of like, incite or instigate a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's a, never mind just splitting the child and th- talking about percentages, then it's putting the children in a dangerous and potentially harmful situation that once you sign that parenting plan or those divorce papers, very hard to undo. And so there's, pro- there's so much with that too. I bet you mm-hmm. see that all the time. Oh, absolutely. P- kids end up in the middle, right? In situations like that, they just end up there. And they're used as pawns. And it's, you know, again, this is part of why the separating out um, custody from, from because people are looking at finance, they're looking at their finances. They're looking at money. Yes. <laughs> I see that all the time. Um, and, and this is where accusations of parental, parental alienation, which is I put in air quotes because it's not real. It's not a thing. Um, we're not allowed to, we should not be using the term parental alienation. You know, we call it domestic violence by proxy, right? When you're using the children as a tool of abuse and it's post-separation abuse. But yes, I mean, I work, you know, I work almost exclusively with women who are being abused and they're fucking terrified of leaving their children in the care um, of a of an abuser. Um, and unfortunately, you know, speaking of divor- professionals not knowing um, what it is that they are, um, you know, not having the education, judges, as you well know, judges and um, divorce attorneys, nobody's required to have any training in domestic violence and recognizing the signs of abuse. Mm-hmm. I I, and I don't know, you know, I, I think now, at least in the Miami family court system, like there are so many opportunities for learning. There are lunch and learns. And I know that there, this is a big conversation amongst um, is it? the legal. Com- yes. Because I think more yeah. and more people are are starting to see the, never mind just like the abuse of one parent from the other, the abuse of, you know, the justice system and filing emotion every three hours after and you emotion know, after emotion, motion yeah. after motion after motion uh-huh. it's abuse of the justice system and then you know you're making a mockery of what everybody's there to really do which is like one job and get these people out of court and so i think you know 
hopefully more and more people are learning. But I wish every law school from sea to shining sea had something like we took, you know, that co-parenting specialist training where it really it forced professionals to look at things differently. And there are so many amazing attorneys out there that do do that. You know, we have collaborative attorneys, we have mediators who are really focused on that. And, you know, there are lawyers that I refer to all the time because I know that they are so child focused. They have personal experience with divorce Mm -hmm. and co-parenting. And I think that matters a lot too. But, um, but until, you know, we see a real change and how things are handled. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's scary for me because I was a part of that system. I was a child in the middle of divorce for mm. 10 years right. and it was, you know, I'm still working on that. Right. Right. It's yeah. I mean, I was too, but yeah, different, different circumstances, but, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have a relationship with my dad, but not because I was taken from him or kept from him, but because he, he kind of opted out for a while. But now you do. Now I do. And he's so cute. And you guys are cute together. I long for that, Kate. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I will never have that at this point. You know, my, my biological father and I were in the same room two weeks ago for my nephew's bris and doesn't even look in my direction. It's horrendous. And yeah, but I will say that he's got his own issues, but yeah, 38 no, 30 years ago, when this all went mm-hmm. down, when I ended up estranged from my father, nobody came into the mix and said, reunification, therapy, yeah. you can't just stop talking to your dad because, you know, I, nobody, nobody intervened. And had they right. mm-hmm. done that, it could have been a very different outcome for me. Interesting. Yeah. I hate when I see, it's a trigger for me, I think, to see yeah. there are so many teenage girls Mm-hmm. That prepubescent age, 12, 13, that end up in court and they just don't want to see their dad anymore for one reason or the other. And and I have more and more male clients coming to me freaking out, like, why is this happening? What's going on? And I know what's happening. It's uh-huh. what is happening? Again, speaking in generalities, but from from working with the clients that I work with, the men that I've worked with, um, <clears throat> a lot of it is what mom is saying on the other Mm -hmm. end, you know, Mm -hmm. girls at the age of 12 and 13 are very mature and moms tend to feel I've got a buddy now and I can tell this buddy everything. And this is still a very emotionally immature person on the inside. Who's also going through puberty and dealing with all of the social pressures of life. And they then develop anger and they have nowhere else to take it out, but on the person that, you know. Yeah. So this is the complexity of the word alienation, right? Because like that kind of is right. Yeah, if I have. What a are your thoughts right on now. that? I mean, it's such a. This is such a touchy. Do you want to go on the third rail with me on this? Let's do it. I've got All nothing right, else to do. Let's do it. Yeah, I've got my bubbly water. <laughs> so no, but but for example, I yeah. have a client right now who came to me, the sweetest man, mm-hmm. in tears. He didn't know what to do because his daughter wanted to go to sleepaway camp, and he can't afford that. You know, to go to a good sleepaway camp is like taking out a, yeah. a second mortgage. So. Yeah. Couldn't afford it. And his daughter was so upset. And the conversation with mom was, well, if your dad really loved you, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have leased that new car. He would have sent you to sleepaway Mm -hmm. camp or he wouldn't have taken his girlfriend to Napa. He would have Mm -hmm. sent you to sleepaway camp. So that angry 13 year old girl, what do you think? Right. Not appropriate. Not. And whether or not that may be true, but you're now turning a child 
against her father for something he can't even provide, even if he wanted to, he felt like a pilot. Like, and I see this. So is this alienation in a way it is, but I don't, I don't use the term parental alienation in the Richard Gardner way, because I think, right. (laughs) Because Richard Gardner was a, was was a a criminal and an abuser. Right. 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 But I do think, you know, we can alienate people from anything, right? Like I can alienate my daughter from soccer because I fucking hate going to the soccer field three times a day. I can Girl. tell her soccer's Girl. bad. You're going to get bug bites. <laughs> no, the, the ball's going to hit you in the face. I'm alienating her at that point. But do Good I think, you. <laughs> but do I think the courts have taken the parents' emotions and how they might be feeling in one particular situation and said, see that right there, that's alienation. I think they've taken that too far. Yes. They, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that there's this, there's this weird, it, you can't say that something is alienation because people freak out because the word is, like I said, it's a third rail in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there are times when, like you said, like if, when a parent, you know, And it's not like you can't ever say anything, quote, negative about the other parent. Like sometimes, and and sometimes it's truth, right? People are like, oh, but that's just the truth. He did. He spent money on the, on the, um, on a lease of a car. And so he couldn't afford, right? That's just the truth. But that's not something that the child needs. It's not the burden the child, right? Absolutely. Like sometimes my eight-year-olds will say to me, mommy, how much did that cost? And I'm like, it doesn't matter, babe. It's mm-hmm. not, you never have to worry about that. I appreciate that you're mindful and you're mm-hmm. respectful of when I say, you know, we can't buy that because it's too much money, but like, you don't have to worry about those kinds of things. And people don't realize the stress and the worries that they're putting on children who are already like overridden with anxiety just from being right. in this crazy ass world that we live in. Like that's stressful enough. You know, right. they're going to school right. and they're worried about someone going to come in and shoot up the classroom today. Yeah, um, that's you know, enough worry. Is a plane going to fly into a building? I don't know. Is so-and-so going to play with me on the playground or not? Because it really hurts my feelings when they don't. And now they're carrying the emotional burden of, I can't do this because mom said dad can't afford it. And dad said, you know, mommy's not smart or whatever the things are that's going back and forth. You, it, It's yeah, ugh, it's just so, it's crazy. But no, I don't yeah. think that dropping a, a snide remark here or there is alienation. I think it's stupid. Right. I think you shouldn't do it, but it's right. It's going to happen. And we've all done it. Myself Uh, included. Myself included. hundred percent. Absolutely. And, you know, I did a great uh, podcast interview with Christina McGee on walking the really fine line between not throwing the, not throwing the other parent under the bus while also not gaslighting your kids. Because when your kids start to see some things and they start to ask questions and they're asking like a lot harder questions as they get older in their teen years, um, you don't want to deny their reality of what they're no. seeing. Um, That's a great point. And it's a very difficult, it's a very hard line to walk. Very it hard. is. <laughs> but this is where I believe in age appropriate truth, no matter mm-hmm, what. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mommy, is it true that, you know, daddy cheated on, this is not my experience, but I'm giving uh-huh. a hypothetical. Yep, is it true mine. that daddy, <laughs> is it true that daddy cheated on you? You're not going to say, oh, no, that's silly. You're going to say, daddy made a choice mm-hmm. to have a relationship with somebody else. And that's not, that's why we're not together anymore. And then you move on from it. It's not that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah he did. He couldn't keep it in his pants, right? There's a difference. Yes. 
Yes. Age appropriate truth is healthy. Yes. And what, you know, what Christina recommended to say in that, because I was coming up against that very question. And what Christina told me to say when I called her in a, in a, <laughs> panic, in a panic, what I say? Um, she said, you know, the answer to that is that was one of the things that contributed, you know, and because, you know, of course, in my mind, I'm like, why one of the, th- I mean, yes, it was one of the things. Um, but, um, you know, as opposed to like, yes, he did. Like it is like, it is a, yes, he did. Um, but there are also other contributing factors, right? Yeah. Listen, four years ago, I found, I found, um, a note I had written in my phone where Bella had said she decided one day in the backseat of my car that she knew why her dad and I got a divorce. I said, really you do? She goes, yeah. And she said, it so matter of fact, she goes, mommy, you don't like gummy candy. Daddy loves it. You only eat chocolate candy. And that right there was a perfect place for me to say, it was so cute. And it's true. He loves gummy candy. I don't like gummies, but it was a perfect place for me to say, you know what? Sometimes people are different and their differences make them realize that, you know, maybe they're, it's best that they're not together. And so now that she's older, she knows him and I couldn't be more different. She knows we love each other and we banter and we are both obsessed with her, but she knows that we ultimately like we're too different to be together. And, and that's where I think those age appropriate truths are, are really okay. So great. I love that. That's the cutest mm-hmm. thing ever. It was cute. the cutest thing ever. Right. And then you build on that age appropriately. And then you build. Yeah. I reminded her of that recently that she said that she was like, I did. I'm like, yes, look, I wrote it down. And she was like, oh, she was like, well, you probably don't want to be with him because he like has a lot of gray hair now. I'm like, I do too. I do too. (laughs) You know, and then we, and then we go back to the conversation of like, what's true and what's, what's appropriate for her to handle. But what I do in every situation, like if she, you know, I don't make it like daddy was the problem. Like I include myself because I was also very much the problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I explained to her how I was different in that relationship versus in my marriage now. So she knows, mm. you know, what's real. Yeah. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Wait, that's me. I know I have a lot of podcast episodes for you to get through, and it can be really, really overwhelming to try and figure out where to start or to comb through which ones might be uh, appropriate for you, whether you're trying to decide whether to stay or go, or you're already on the other side of the divorce process. Like, how do you know what to listen to? I have solved the problem for you. All you have to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist. Answer a few short questions, and I will send you a curated list of podcast episodes to best support you as you navigate these tricky waters. I'll also help you identify where you currently stand on this journey and what's ahead with resources to help you move through this process with knowledge and grace. So all you need to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and you will have your curated list of podcast episodes that will support you wherever you are in your journey. And now back to our show. How would you say you were the problem in that relationship? Like what's your, what's your, I went into, I went into that very unhealed I had a lot of, a lot of trauma. That's like yeah. four, four episodes more that we could do. But 
so much that, you know, I was I very much emotionally neglected through all the trauma that I went through. Nobody ever stopped and said, hey, are you okay? And on the contrary, whenever I did have a big emotion, it was like, oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're dramatic. Oh, you know, so I went through life completely unsupported emotionally. Now, I will say that I have a great relationship with my mom and she was always there for me, but there was a there wasn't the understanding then that there is now about helping a child through difficult times. And so I didn't yeah. have therapy. I didn't have any of those things. I was estranged from my dad at the age of 11 when, you know, everybody was wearing daddy's girl earrings. And I was like, mm-hmm. mine wouldn't even come to my bat mitzvah. I stood up on the, on the, the bima at my temple, like waiting for him to walk in and he didn't. And it was the same with like my dancer side. It, it, it just, it was such a visceral, mm-hmm. awful time. Yeah. And then I had my stepfather who came into my life, who was like my knight in charm, shining armor. And he died mm-hmm. very tragically when I was 23. And I didn't have any support for that either. I was like, you know, so worried about how my mom was going to feel. I was there watching him die, held his hand when he took his, anyway, so mm-hmm. many things. So then I had lots trauma. of toxic relationships, right. bad boys. Of course. Of course you, you did know. though. Like literally, of course you did. So then I met my ex-husband and he was just like, couldn't be more different for me. I was this like rough and tough New York chick who had just moved down to Florida. He was like this good old Southern boy from Atlanta and like, you know, like country (laughs) music. And here I am, you know, and we couldn't (laughs) have been more different, but there was a pull there and we fell in love very quickly. And I didn't stop to look at why this might not be good for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, because we're right. different. We had different like interests, value, you know, whatever. Yeah. I also was nowhere near ready to accept such a committed relationship. I liked the ones that were fucked up that I could keep at arm's length. Right. And so what I did was I started trying to do anything to sabotage it. Mm-hmm. And my ex being the recipient of this big ball of trauma, you know, he wasn't he didn't know what to do with it. He was 30 years old. And like, so he, it it just was a recipe for disaster. Like he was always like, what's wrong with you? You know? And so it just, it always sent me spiraling. Right. That compounds it. It's like, why are you being so dramatic? What's wrong with you? What's, and you're like, that's my childhood trauma as people task me, what the fuck is wrong with me? But I went and I admittedly, and, and it took me a long time to realize this. I went and took it all out on him. And that wasn't fair to him either. Whether or not he handled it the right way or not, that's another conversation. But like, ultimately, I should not, I was not ready for a relationship of that magnitude. I wasn't ready to, Mm -hmm. you know, so that was the role that I played. And I knew, I knew as soon, (laughs) as soon as I had Bella, I'm like, I got to change. This is not okay. I knew it was me. I knew I was quote unquote Mm. crazy. I knew I couldn't control my emotions. I knew I had these irrational fears that like, overtook me all the time. And I had to get a grip because I had a child to raise. And part of that meant separating myself from the marriage so that I could see clearly and heal for myself. That's right. right. Yeah. It's almost impossible to do that work inside of the container that is either triggering it, causing it, or, you know, we can't, we can't do this work inside of a relationship. Sometimes it's really hard. It's just too much. Um, you know, some people can, but I, I just think that taking that time for yourself, even if it's temporary, it might be temporary, it might be permanent. Sometimes you don't know, right? Sometimes you no, don't know. No, and listen, I, I grieved a lot and I did a lot of work. I started going to therapy in the marriage towards the, the tail end. And yeah, 
when I came out of it was the first time that I could kind of like see things clearly. And I had so much more self-awareness going into my second marriage, you know, where my exes asked me like, do you do what to him, what you did to me? Like, do you have all these fears with him? And it's like, no, sorry. I did the work, you know, like, (laughs) whoopsie, but it's terrible. And I, you know, I'll never regret the relationship because it was, when it was good, it was great. And we got Bella out of it, but I know I have the self-awareness to know where I was the problem. Yeah, right. And I bet he really ultimately appreciates that you're able to say, no, I don't have, I don't, and I'm sorry, but also Bella doesn't, isn't going to be raised in that. And I learned from my mistakes and Mm -hmm. right. Like, I'm sure he Mm -hmm. appreciates that, that part of you. Yeah. Listen, he got a side of me that nobody else will ever get good and bad. Right. I Mm -hmm, mean, mm -hmm. it's my first marriage. I was my most vulnerable. I was my most afraid, but I was also the most like hopelessly like, you know, romantic, like unjaded, unjaded, right. (laughs) Right. You know, there's something to be said for that too. But anyway, Anyway, all that aside, yes. His daddy skills, you know, are why I have always been so committed to co-parenting, even when, you know, he may not have been ready to be my bestie and like be so Mm -hmm. amicable. He had to have his process to get a lot to deal with after we split up. Understandably, I was like a hurricane that came through and, you know, destroyed everything. But I've always, you know, maintained this high road approach and taking the high road for me is ultimately if we bring it back to the kids, like that's where you put the kids first. You take the high road, you, you decide for yourself, you know what? I don't need to respond to that jab and I don't mm-hmm. need to, you know, step into the, into the box every time somebody wants to fight. Like I'm going to push myself outside of that. I'm going to respond when I need to. I'm not going to go back and forth in unnecessary drama. That for me is taking the high road. And that is why we're in the place we're in now and why my daughter has such a healthy relationship with both of us. Coming, coming around to sort of co-parenting do's and don'ts, right? Like, because there's so many women, certainly a lot of women listening to this, who are in the, in the midst of um, the hurricane and mm-hmm. feeling so much resentment, right? And I and I always say similarly. I say, you know, keep, keep your side of the street clean. Doesn't matter what they're doing. Keep that. Keep your side of the street squeaky clean. But also, there is resentment. There is this, you know, and and when they're being attacked constantly and they are the only one, right? Can you be the only one to yes. foster and create a healthy co-parenting relationship? A hundred percent, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if somebody is throwing darts at you, yeah. right? Like you don't have to stand in front of them, right? You can like move to the side a little bit and say, you know what, I'm not going to let this dart hit me today because I need to be my best self for my kids. And Mm -hmm. if I start throwing them back, then everything's a hot mess. I 100% believe thanks to the work of Bill Eddy and all of the research I've done that it takes Mm -hmm. one reasonable parent in an unreasonable situation to raise a healthy child with a healthy, secure attachment to their caregiver. Um, you know, I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, you can't do that when the other person's a narcissist. I get that in my comments all day long. And I say, yes, you can. And it's all the more reason to, if that person really is that, then you have to do the work tenfold to ensure that your children are okay. And that's the best work you'll ever do. Yep. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, right, you're all they've got. You're all they've got and they need a safe, they need a safe port in a storm. And I wrote, I wrote about this in my book, you know, with the example of if you're at the beach and you're having a lovely day and all of a sudden a storm rolls in and you didn't expect it, Mm -hmm. everyone else is grabbing their shit and they're running off the beach. What are you going to do? You're going to stand there and yell at the storm and tell it not to come. It's not going to work. Right. It's it's still going to come. It's still going to mess up your day unless you choose to remove yourself from that situation. In this case, not responding to the text message, not trying to um, correct the accusation or the misinformation they're sending your way, deciding, you know what? I left this person for a reason. They're there in that space in this little container. I'm here. I have my whole full life. They're just a person that was a part of it. I don't have to engage this. Right. Right. And this is, you know, what I talk about, about, you know, we, we physically divorce, we financially divorce, we legally it's divorce, emotional divorce, baby. You, that's right. If you're, if you're going to continue to engage in this way and like pick up everything they're putting down and stand on the beach and yell at the storm, then like, what's the point? What's the point? You might as well have stayed together. That's right. That's you right. have to know to anybody listening to this, we started on one tangent. We went to a total different one, but this is why I love our conversations. To anyone listening to this, it is impossible in the beginning to not, to try and restrain yourself from yelling at the storm. But when you think of it in that way mm-hmm. of how silly it might be to mm-hmm. yell at a storm and expect it to not come and ruin your beach day, you realize, huh, okay, maybe I need to take my energy. And instead of trying to, you know, right back to my ex when they tell me I'm a terrible mom because I took my kids to the park instead of reading with them, instead of correcting that misinformation, I'm just going to take that message, file it under, oh, this is why I left this person and go about my day, right? Like it's very hard to do that. You're always going to want to fire back. Your Achilles heel, your trigger point is motherhood and, and your children. But you have to know that just because someone says something doesn't make it true, and what you give your energy to is going to take away from all the other beautiful things you could do with your life. That's right. And what you resist persists. So Amen. the more you're pushing against it, the more it's going to push back at you, right? Amen. Yeah. Like my waistline, girlfriend. That's right. <laughs> the more I resist pasta, the more it persists in my life. That's right. Speaking of, that's where I'm going tonight. I'm going to have pasta. <laughs> I've decided... Speaking of co-parenting do's and don'ts, just very quickly, I know that we could we could go on for hours, but any quick tips? Co-parenting do's and don'ts. Don't pick up. Don't don't rage at the storm. Isn't- don't rage at the storm. Yeah. When you know your ex is asking for something you know, in terms of the children, and you want to say no because in your mind they don't deserve it, they shouldn't have it because of how they treated you. Put yourself in little Johnny's shoes and say. What will saying yes instead of no mean for this child? Will it benefit them? Do that. And I promise you, it's going to help shift your perspective on co-parenting. You know, the idea that somebody shouldn't spend time with their children just because they may have wronged you is very unfair for the kid. So, you know, I give the example, um, I had this post that went slightly viral about, you know, if my ex thinks I'm going to let him take Bella on my day to the hockey game just because he got tickets? The answer is yes, I am going to let him do that because she loves hockey and that's where they bond. And I'm the asshole if I say no. So, you know, having that. Yes. It's not, you know, and and I think it's like the way, you know, the way that we talk about things, it's not my time. 
It's not exactly. my time and his time. It's my day. It's, it's my her time. It's her experience. Yes. Yes. Right? That's a big if one my, for me. People are like, he's going to take the kids to Disneyland with his with his new wife, and I won't get to experience them going to Disneyland for the first time. And does she get to go to Disneyland? Do you How know that? Awesome. <laughs> My my ex and I couldn't dis- couldn't agree on who would take Bella to Disney first, so we went together, yeah. and huh. we put all this effort and energy, and it was so uncomfortable because we were still at the beginning of our split. And you know what? She doesn't remember a goddamn thing. People, <laughs> she doesn't even know that that trip happened. She was happened. two. She was two. Yeah. Of course not. She was she was three and a half at the time, but still, uh, uh-huh. like, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. and my last tip that I'd like to share which may seem counterproductive to all of the work that I do is cut yourself some slack. If you have to parallel parent, great. Sometimes that's the healthiest thing. Co-parenting is a misnomer. Co means together. It means collaborative. That's something that is very hard to do when you're trying to live without this person in the first couple of years. Most people in my experience, myself included, are parallel parenting in the beginning. And sometimes it's great because you can just stay in your lane. They can stay in theirs. Emotions subside. People get used to parenting on their own and create their own new routines. And then time passes and you're like, oh, maybe now we can have a conversation about this. Oh, maybe now we can both sit on the same side of the field at the soccer game. Give it time. You don't have to come out of the gate and be besties in order to be good co-parents. Sometimes great co-parenting looks like parallel parenting. I I could not agree more. I actually believe that all people should start with co-parenting. Co-parenting should, I mean, I mean, with parallel parenting, parallel parenting is where it should begin, right? And if you grow into co, then fucking great. But give yourself the time. You have a better. Individuate. (laughs) You have a better, better. We talked about this on your podcast. We have a, you have a better chance of growing into co-parents if you start small, just like you're giving your kids that step up plan. You need one too. And you also need the space to disconnect yourself emotionally, emotionally divorced from the person, which you can't do if two weeks after you kick them out of the house, you're inviting them over for dinner. So give yourself a space. That is the biggest tip, I think. Absolutely. I could not, could not agree more. Could not agree more. I love you. I love Thank you, you too. So much for being here. I um Thanks I don't know. For I value me. I value you. I value your work. I value um your friendship. And I'm just, you know, so grateful for you. Ditto, girlfriend. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for having me. To everybody listening, mm-hmm. um, I don't want you to have a fear of your attorney. Just make sure you are working with somebody who asks the questions, who gets to know your children. Everybody that you hire in your divorce process should ask you this one question. So tell me about your kids because mm-hmm. that matters a lot. Yeah. And, and what do you want for your kids? How, what, what's mm-hmm. the experience that you want for your children in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's primary. Um, and that question got us, got me through my divorce. He, you know, we had this, the guiding principle, the guiding question of, you know, what's best for our son. And, and there were some, com- there were some decisions that we made that were really hard and shit that like wasn't best for me, but it was best for my son. And like, Mm -hmm. I had to let it go. Yep. You know, to let it go. It's the hardest thing in the world, but it's so important. So important. My love, where can everybody who doesn't already, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know anyone listening to this who doesn't already follow you or know where you are, but if, if by some reason someone doesn't know where can they find you? 
Um, I am on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey. My podcast is Moms Moving On. My book is Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict and Becoming Your Best Self. You could find that anywhere they sell books, including Target. So you can add to cart if you're divorce curious and you don't want your partner to know. They won't even question the extra 20 bucks at Target. Uh, my <laughs> website is michelledempsey.com. And there you can learn about working one-on-one with me or one of my coaches or taking my program to become certified as a coach and, or my courses, my things, there's lots of stuff. I can't keep up with myself. I know, I know, I know. Same girl. Thank you, my love. Everybody go check out uh, Michelle, her podcast, read her book. I have two copies of it. I don't know how I got two, but I'm thrilled that I did. I love you. Love you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.